Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, anxiety, resilience, emotion regulation, anything related to that. Today, specifically, I'm talking about kiddos who are scared to go to the bathroom in public, which means they're holding all day long while they're at school. That's a problem. So some kiddos hold pee and they've got this pee phobia. Some kids will hold their bowel movements all day long. Oftentimes they go together, right? And they're not doing anything, but that leads to bigger problems down the road. And I'm seeing more and more of this. And so I wanted to make sure that I address this in our back to school. I know we're, we're getting, we're so deep into November, getting close to the holidays, but there's so many different topics that we can think about. And this is definitely one that I'm seeing all the time. Maybe we don't necessarily think of it as a big deal, but it does become a problem. And so today I'm really focusing on that social anxiety aspect of it because there is this performance phobia around it, just having to go to the bathroom publicly, right? Even if they have to go so bad and, and they decide, okay, I'm going to go try that anxiety just makes it impossible for them to around because of this performance anxiety. So, you know, you've got a socially anxious toileting kiddo when they need to have complete privacy. No one can hear them, right? They don't want anybody to hear them going. If they start to go and somebody comes in, they're going to be so quiet, right? So they're only going at home and they might feel anxious about having to go to the bathroom. And so therefore they're going to do anything to avoid having to go. So maybe they're not drinking anything all day long, especially some of my older kids as they realize, ah, if I don't drink anything, then I don't got to go. That's a problem because we know dehydration that increases cortisol in the body anyways. Um, maybe they avoid going out right? In case that in case they need to use the bathroom, they don't want to go out at all. So I'm not going to go to a sleepover. I'm not going to go to the mall. I'm just going to stay home, right? Some kiddos, they know it's irrational and they might even call themselves a baby or other names, right? And they're like, why can't I go? But even when they go and try, they still can't get themselves to go. So like with any anxiety, it's not something that just goes away. So we need to get on this now, so if you've got a little one who was toilet trained and all of a sudden have these phobias, especially in the bath, like you go into public and the automatic flush and the automatic water, like automatic hand dryers, like it's just so overwhelming and, and just so anxiety provoking, but you definitely want to get on it now because I do see issues, even with some of my teenagers, the problem does actually get worse over time, not better. It, it, it affects everyone of all ages. So don't think that this is just something that you need to worry about, you know, for your little guys, and then don't worry about it or hope that your kiddo grows out of it because they don't. And I think that that's really help, help uh, important for us to think about because there's even adults who have problems with this and adults who finally usually go and get help. They've usually dealt with it for over 20 years. That's on average. So they've already dealt with it for 20 years and they're like, okay, I've had enough. I want to go, uh, get a handle on this because it totally interferes with life. They're not socializing. They're not going for sleepovers. They're not going to the football game or the baseball or hockey game, right? They're not going out to parties. They're not going to dinner with friends. They're not dating. They're not traveling, right? Some don't 
work at their dream job simply because of this fear of having to go. I'm only going to take a job where I can stay at home all day. It's so limiting, right? And it can cause so many problems too, if they're holding all day. So of course, bladder infections, right? And if there's any damage to the bladder that can lead to incontinence that can lead to really big problems later on. It's so dangerous for them to hold it for too long. And it can start out really subtly, right? Like a kiddo who's only going to go into public if they have their own private bathroom versus, you know, a big one with lots of stalls, right? Or the boy who is willing to pee in a stall, but not the urinal. It can really snowball fast into more severe forms later on. So we got to make sure that we're addressing this. Now, the causes varies, right? And like I've talked about before, the brain makes really wonky associations. So we don't want to spend time spinning our wheels, trying to figure out the why there can obvious be, there can be obvious things like maybe they were teased once when they were toileting, right? I know that my daughter for a little while, when she was younger, was having problems with bowel movements because she hadn't even, she was just peeing. She wasn't even having a bowel movement, but while she was in the stall, she actually overheard two girls about how awful the bathroom stunk, right? Cause another kiddo had just gone and had left and they were like, Oh, it's so disgusting. Bah, bah, bah. And so my daughter was like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to be that kid that everybody's like, it's so disgusting, even though we all do it. Right. But even, um, just a comment like that, right? Or already shy, already self-conscious kiddos who don't want to be heard or smelled. I mean, that could lead to it too. There's so many different things. So I don't want to spend time there. Let's focus on what do we actually do? If you listen to me regularly, you already know what I'm probably going to say, right? Talking about it, reassuring kiddos, coaxing them, punishing them, shaming them. None of that works for sure, right? Um, and just talking, Kate, let's go pee. It's important to go pee. All these things are going to happen. All these are the, these are the problems that are going to come. None of that's helpful. They have to go out into the real world and practice. It's the only way to rewire the brain and to reframe their thinking, to realize, Hey, I can do this. I can manage it. Even if it stinks, even if there's a loud plop, I can manage it. And I can manage the uncomfortable, awkward feelings that comes with it. Right. It's not the big deal that my catastrophizing mind wants it to be. We can't tell them that they need to go and learn it for themselves, right? I can handle it. So when you do this though, there's, there's definitely a couple of things that you want to make sure you remember. First of all, of course, with anything, you want to rule out anything medically, right? We don't want to mess it with it. If there really is something going on, you know, like an infection or a blockage. Um, I talk a lot about bathroom phobia. And when I talk about bathroom phobia, I'm talking about kids who, who can totally go physically you know, they, they, they're able to go physically to the bathroom, but it's the anxiety of getting in the way of going. So we want to make sure we're talking about anxiety related difficulties, not medically related difficulties. Right. But the problem they have because of the anxiety, it's because they get so tense, right? Their muscles and their bladder, um, and, and their urinary tract, it can't relax to go pee right? Because we have to be able to relax to go pee. Normally we have to, we even just have to think of our posture. Knees should be up above, you know, our bottom. We want our knees elevated. So ideally a footstool, and then they can lean. Ideally, if they can put, you know, their forearms onto their top of their legs on top of their thighs and lean forward and 
relax, no pushing, right? That's really important to allow everything to work naturally. But if they're anxious, everything is so tight and that's a problem. And so even when they're trying, I'm trying to go where I did try to go and nothing came, right? That's a problem. Um, some medications can make it hard too. So some of the kiddos I've worked with have been on things like Stratera. Um, it's a non-stimulant medication that's helpful for kiddos with ADHD, but it also is managing the anxiety um, or uh, antidepressants like Effexor. So sometimes there are medications that can make it hard too. So we want to make sure if they're on medication, just talk to your family doctor, make sure you have an appointment with your family doctor, doctor to talk about this. Um, we say, see the same thing too with Wellbutrin for, for people, adults who are taking Wellbutrin that can also cause problems. So we definitely just want to make sure you're getting your doctor's input on all of this. Um, but whatever adult that's there, helping the kiddos go to the bathroom, you got to be calm and you got to be confident and you got to be supportive, right? We don't want to pressure. We don't want to rush. Any of that is just going to make the anxiety worse and it's just going to intensify it and, and just lead to more problems. Same thing with shaming or punishing. None of that stuff is going to be helpful. It's only going to lead to more anxiety. We want to be neutral, neutral, neutral. Like it's no big deal. I don't care. If you go or not, it's no biggie to me. Even if inside you're like, please just go to the bathroom. We've got a long car ride and I'm not going to pull over to the side. If you need to go to the bathroom, like don't keep all of that inside, right? Outside. It's like no biggie to me, kiddo. You go if you can go, right? We just want chill, relaxed. Uh, you want to do this as consistently and as much as you can. I'd give it at least a couple of hours, you know, to be able to work on some of this. So going out every day after school. So that there is no opportunity to hold it, hold it, hold it. At some point, they're going to have to go outside. Um, having someone in school, having a plan, that can be really helpful too, right? How can we make it them be successful going in school? And maybe it is giving them an accommodation. You know me on accommodations. I don't like it. But just to get some success. So maybe they are able to go to an adult's, you know, the staff room or the staff toilet or a lot of places will have like the nurse's office. There's a little bathroom there that they don't have to be in the big overwhelming stall. Maybe it's, you know, I don't care if if they need to carry stick it or post-it notes with them all the time that they can put it over top of the automatic flusher. I don't care. Let them have that. Even as an adult, that's an easy thing that they can do on their own if they really want to have something like that, right? Ideally, you know, it's good. Maybe you don't always have your post-it notes. We need to be able to go to the bathroom with automatic flushes, but there's easy things. You could put toilet paper over top of it or something like that, right? It's awful when it flushes and you're sitting. Yeah, but, but we can manage it. So ideally we do want to practice in reasonable conditions where sometimes that happens. You're sitting on the toilet, it splashes up it's scary, right? But whatever we need to do to get that success going. But if they do start, I mean, it's not ideal to start in a separate bathroom, but if that's the only way that we can get them, this is a sort of a medical emergency, then I would say do it with the plan that we're going to be moving away from that. So maybe they can pee in that bathroom, but they have to go to the kid's bathroom to wash their hands just to make sure that they've got, you know, some of that. 
Um, and then maybe it's a pass, you know, so we start expanding our expectations once they're going to the bathroom successfully. Maybe it's they only have two passes a week where they can use that bathroom, but they get the pass after they use the kid's bathroom. I know whatever you got to be creative and thinking, how can we expand our expectations? We don't want to get stuck that they're only ever using the adults you know, staff bathroom, because that's going to be a problem. So we want them being successful peeing in public, wherever that's going to be. So we just got to make sure that they have lots of opportunities. So maybe it is going straight to the rink. We're not going home for a bathroom break. Maybe we're going to the mall. We're going to go do some shopping, right? And that's where you're going to have to go to the bathroom. Wherever we end up, that's where we have to go to the bathroom. So if that's possible, we definitely want to do that. Um, and, and it's helpful to make sure that they have to go. So getting them to drink lots of liquids, we got to boost that urgency. So the more liquids that they have, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait anymore. Right. And so whatever it is that you need to do to, to build that urgency. And when we get started, definitely collaborating with kiddos. So I love using my scaling questions, you know, on a scale of one to 10, my girls are like, ah, I roll. They hate my scaling questions, but they always answer it. But, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how awful would it be to pee in the, in the teacher's bathroom? Maybe there's a kindy or a younger kid's bathroom. Maybe there's a big kid's bathroom. Maybe out the public library. Maybe at grandma's house. Maybe at the mall. Rate all of those different places on a scale of one to 10. How awful would it be? Right. So that we can start seeing what makes grandma's house a little bit easier. What makes the lot public library a little bit easier or harder? What can we do to make it, you know, these harder places a little bit easier? So we want to be able to collaborate with them and really get an understanding of how they're sort of seeing and perceiving these different places. Um, we need to make sure that they understand that the brain likes to trick us. It likes to set off all of these alarms. So we definitely want to externalize that problem. So everything that I've talked about in all of my sessions, again, today I'm talking about pee, but it doesn't matter if we're talking about peeing or taking a test or um, going to a sleepover, all the process is the same. And I hope that you hear that. So we're going to identify the problem and we're going to identify the henchman that comes into play. we got to give it a name. Maybe it's pesky peeing Paula. When is pesky peeing PPP going to show up, right? When is Paula, what's Paula going to say? What's going to Paula want you to do, right? She's going to want you to avoid going to the bathroom, to hold it all day, right? And what does Paula want the adults to do? It wants to help you avoid to stop at home quickly so we can have a quick pee break before we go to our hockey practice. So we can identify what's pesky Paula going to say, or sneaky poo. I like to talk about sneaky poo, whatever it is, right? What are, what are they going to say? And what are we going to say back? What are they going to want us to do this pesky Paula? What is it going to want us to do? Avoid, not go to the bathroom, hold. How are we going to do the opposite? Okay. So we want to address all of those things and it's helpful to do, I, I would actually pair the toilet with positive activities as well. So maybe you only get your iPad when you're on the toilet. So we're actually pairing the brain there. Now they're looking forward to being on the toilet, right? And we want to make sure that they're ending on the toilet successfully, whether they pee or not at first, right? If they pee fantastic, it's a big party, but we just want to make sure that they're more comfortable just having to go and, and going through that whole process. Um, so that's that pairing that brain because right now the toilet is paired with bad, right? And we could even do like if they're worried about the splash, people splashing, or they're worried about smells, maybe we can do things in the toilet where they're not physically going to the bathroom, but 
they are plopping things into the toilet, right? So people are hearing that and maybe they're putting off little stink bombs. So people are smelling that. And so they can realize I can handle this. We can all handle this. Those kids are going to totally forget about it anyway. So we just want to make sure we have lots of, of exposure and making sure that they're in a good city sitting position and relaxed because we want to make it um, as easy for them as they go, right? Just being able to relax all of those things. So when we go into, into these exposures or these different practice trials, we're going to make predictions, right? Um, and so when do you think Sneaky Paul is going to show up? Right? What do you think she's going to make you do or say or all of these things? So that when she shows up or it, I should say, um, you can be like, I knew you're going to show up. I knew you'd make me feel this way, right? I knew you're going to throw down the story that everyone's going to hear and laugh at me, right? So we're changing our relationship when peeing Paula shows up, right? And so then I'm like, I knew it. I knew you were coming. I talked to mom and dad about this. This is what I'm going to do now. So we're keeping our prefrontal cortex online, right? That's our goal is to keep that prefrontal cortex online. And so now what are you going to do? How are you going to show Paula that you're the boss? So have kiddos choose where they're going to practice every single day, right? I would work, like I said, if you could work on it for a couple of hours, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Over the holidays is fantastic. Go out all the time continuously, right? So that you guys can be working on this. And I would have different locations too, if you can. It's not just about school, right? I always talk about the harder the bathroom is. So when we do that scaling question, so maybe the mall bathroom, oh my gosh, on the in the middle of the day on a weekend when it's super busy, like there's lineups to go to the bathroom, that's a 10, whereas grandma's is like a two, right? So the harder the bathroom that you go and practice, the quicker we're going to rewire your brain. Because if you can do the 10, the mall on a busy Saturday afternoon, going anywhere else is going to be super easy, right? So getting them to choose where they want to start. If they don't want to start on the mall, that's okay. Where do you want to start? Which is feasible. You want, so you're going to collaborate that plan. Now, for some kids, it could be at home with you just outside the door listening. That could be scary enough, right? So that you're listening. Because for some, it's just being heard. It's that performance anxiety. Just being heard is really uncomfortable, right? Or maybe having a dog with them, watching them, staring at them as they go to the bathroom. Maybe they're okay with that, but maybe not. Maybe it's just weird having somebody watch me, right? And you don't have to necessarily do that because it is kind of weird if somebody's watching you, but but just look at how can we do this that's going to be feasible for everyone. And when you go into the situation, you, you want to make sure that they're not sitting there forever until they do pee, right? That's a problem too, because, um, you know, I, I would just wait three to four minutes and then have a break, go have a break, take a few minutes, have a drink, and then come back again, maybe play a round of cards and then come back again. Right. Um, because we want to make sure that they're, we're not pairing the brain with any more negative sort of experiences. So we just want to try to make the whole thing as positive as possible. I wouldn't try anything gimmicky to try to get them to pee. Um, I remember the episode of, um, Malcolm in the middle, uh, he was trying to get his brother to pee. Right. And so he was talking about pouring water or, um, I know 
my husband sometimes we're on a road trip and my girls are like, oh my gosh, I got to go like, hurry up, please. I got to go to the bathroom. You got to pull over. And my husband like putting on music of waterfalls and stuff like that. Right. Don't try anything gimmicky because we, we don't want to pair the brain with the wrong sort of associations, but we do want to keep at it. So give an hour or two hours where a kiddo's sitting for a bit, takes a break, maybe goes and has a smoothie, comes back again, right? And making it as fun as possible. And when they do, part of this collaboration when we're creating a, a plan is seeing what sorts of praise they want, right? Sometimes um, with stuff like this too, we got to think of attention, right? If there's too much attention on it and we're making too much of a big deal about them going to the bathroom, that can be even more embarrassing. So it could be punishing. If you're like, oh my gosh, you went to the bathroom all by yourself in the public. I am so good. Like that could be way too embarrassing for kids, right? So we got to see what is it that is actually going to be helpful because having a big party like that, maybe they don't actually want, especially as they get older, right? They just like, no, thank you. Just secretly give me my iPad or whatever it is. Um, Sometimes it's like, dude, just give me five. Five is good enough, right? For older kids and teens, um, you know, they don't want even a fist pump. They don't want any recognition. It's just a secret little treat discreetly passed on to them because otherwise it's super embarrassing, right? So we just got to think about how not even just what the reinforcement is, how are we going to deliver that reinforcement? But then we want to make sure we do have time to debrief after. We're going to make sure that learning has happened and anything that we do, we got to make sure the brain is actually learning something, not their cognitive thinking brain, but their whole brain is learning something from the situation. Specifically, I can handle it right? And it's not just the thinking brain, just from their whole being, their whole body. And I'm going to be talking about brain body stuff when I get into the trauma series in the new year. But that's something we want to make sure is just feeling that whole body, the relief of going to the bathroom, the pride of some, me doing something like this, all of that's going to be really important. So that's where reframing actually happens. It's not us trying to get them to consciously think to reframe their brain. We're actually tapping into that feeling feeling of success. That's where we're going to rewire the brain. Um, and then maybe we move on to the next location, right? The more practice that they're getting through the week in different contexts and different locations, the better, because sometimes the brain makes an association. Okay, well, this bathroom is safe. So home is safe. And now this bathroom is safe. And then we're going to have to learn a new bathroom every time that we're going. So I think that that's really hard. So if we're just generalizing, they got to learn essentially that any bathroom I go to is safe, even if people hear me and smell me, right? And then we want to make sure um, that learning is happening everywhere, every single time that they go. And so we're tracking that progress too. So that's going to be really um, important. So we're adding different contexts, ideally with different people. We also want to make sure we're mixing up times right? So sometimes we're going into public in the morning. Sometimes we're going in the afternoon, sometimes in the evening. So times mixing up, we're mixing up lots of different public places as possible. Everywhere you go, I would just go into the bathroom, make a field trip of it. Even if it's not to use the bathroom, even if it's just to wash your hands or to brush your hair, or to look, make funny faces in the 
mirror. I don't care. We're going to go visit all the different bathrooms and we can start rating. Okay. This mall has a fantastic bathroom. Ooh, this mall is dodgy. Maybe you're going to create a, a system or make a game of it, whatever you can do. And yeah, I would do this too with your teens, just making sure we are stopping at every bathroom. Even if they're like, Oh my gosh, Matt, like this is ridiculous. No, nope, we're going to do it. Right. Um, we also want to make sure we're mixing things up to where um, they have to handle all sorts of situations, like having a dirty toilet seat. What can you do if the toilet seat is dirty? Maybe you go get a little bit of hand soap on a piece of toilet paper. Some bathrooms are actually really good. They already have like wet wipes or disinfectant right there that you can wipe the seat, but maybe you have to go and get some hand soap and come and wash the seat, right? Maybe you just go to the next stall. Sometimes where we just get anxious, we're not thinking, we're not problem solving. And so we want to actually put them in real reasonable situations that could actually um, happen. What happens if you run out of toilet paper, right? Um, what happens if it doesn't actually automatically flush? What do you do, right? Being able to live with the uncertainty. I don't know how loud it's going to flush. I don't know how sensitive the flush is. Maybe missing out on something fun. Sometimes that's a problem too, where it's this FOMO, fear of missing out that I don't want to miss or like I'm just playing and so I can't go, right? Um, and so maybe then we're holding the super awesome stuff for when they get back or we're giving them extra play time to show them going to the bathroom it has a way bigger payoff than waiting to see, right? What might happen? And so I would say, wait, 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 make it boring, boring, boring let them go. Like finally they go to the bathroom and then they're coming back just so that they can learn. They're not necessarily missing out. Or if they did miss out, it was a tiny little bit, but we're actually going to reinforce it, make it their while that they did go, even if they missed out on this tiny little piece that they were able to. Um, we want to make sure parents are modeling how they handle each of these situations as well. So even if they're not working initially on how to problem solve, you're going in, you're problem solving the situation. Ew, disgusting. I don't even want to know what that is on the toilet seat. I'm going to go to the next stall or I'm done. This is the only seat. This is the only gas station. We got to be here. This is how I'm going to clean the seat. This is how I'm going to handle this situation, right? And most importantly, we're being calm. We're being comfortable as we go as well right? Maybe we're not having, oh my God, this bathroom is disgusting. I'm getting out of here. We don't want to model all of that kind of stuff. Right. And even like, how can we come out? You know, we go into the bathroom and we smile and be like, oh, I love the smell of that soap they use. So we're just modeling some positive things. It doesn't have to be a disgusting experience everywhere we go. Yes. Outhouses for all of us are gross. Right. Although there are some, it's quite lovely. I'm like, oh, I didn't even smell anything. Right. So just looking at how can we do that? Oh man, that pee felt really good. Even if the conditions of the toilet are gross, right? We just want to make sure we're pot modeling those positive behaviors. Um, I just want to talk quickly about safety behaviors. Now, my youngest daughter, when she was young, she was terrified of the whole public bathroom experience. She was terrified of the automatic flushes. She was terrified of um, the hand dryers. Um, and with the flushes, you know, first, um, the, the toilet, just it flushing automatically when she's on it. I don't know if she thought she was going to be sucked down, but it's scary when you're on it. Right. And it starts flushing, but then the noise as well. And she was always covering her ears. 
And then with that noise, you know, all these toilets are flushing, especially in public, they're loud. Now the faucets are going and the hand dryers are going. It can be also overwhelming. And I do have sensory sensitive children. Um, and I hate it when the toilet flushes when you're sitting on it. But but like I said before, it happens. So they do have to get used to that unless there's something they can just always do. There's usually always toilet paper that they can always wrap around it if they absolutely need to, right? Now, I wouldn't, as a parent, make sure you're always putting a sticky on the sensor so it doesn't flush because they're never going to learn that for themselves. And so then that's a safety behavior that they're never going to do it unless mommy is there putting on that sticky note on over top of the sensor. So they need to figure out what's going to work for them all the time. And so maybe stickies are okay at school because they can always have access to a sticky, but what about in public? So that's the only thing that I'm always forward thinking about. Maybe it's they put their hand. So as they're peeing, they're putting their one hand there, right? It's it's kind of hard because then how are you going to wipe and everything else, right? Um, so we, we just got to think of it. You know, if they do grow up and just always make sure they have a pack of sticky notes or post-it notes on them to cover up, then that's fine if they're going to do that, but that might not be a realistic, right? So we just got to think about what's reasonable for you and for them to maintain. Um, if ever I had to have a bowel movement in public, I actually learned really young. I think I was like a tween. I actually folded up some toilet paper because the sound, right? Like you don't want people to hear this, hear everything plopping into the toilet. So I fold up toilet paper and I still do that to this day. And I put it in the bowl before I sit down so that there's no big sound and big splash and everything. So, so you can think about those kinds of things, right? Cause I think kids hate all of those different things. And so let's just do an experiment. Let's fold up some toilet paper and we'll throw it in there and see what happens you know, and how does that go for you? So that's an example of a reasonable safety behavior that they can do. There's usually always toilet paper. If they don't have toilet paper, well, they might want to go and look for another stall that has it or go and get some paper towel first and then come back. That's pretty reasonable safety behavior. It, it's easy. It's not interfering with anything really at the end of the day. I don't care for that one, right? Like it does, it's not a big deal. If you're just folding up some, it's not a big deal, but ideally we want to also work on, it's not a big deal if people can hear it. Because sometimes, realistically, I don't always remember to fold up things, right? To put it in there. And it's like, oops, it was loud. I forgot to put in the toilet paper first. So that's where the managing the anxiety piece is, is we all poop. It's okay. Everybody's okay with a little plop. It might be embarrassing for a second, but only probably for 10 to 20 seconds, right? But, but, um, so, it, but it is looking, that's a reasonable one. That's something that's okay. So those are just a few ideas, still something that we need to work on and think about. I don't think it's talked about enough, even though it's so common and not just my little guys, I'm talking, even my tweens and teens are still having problems with this. And so it's being able, when we look at that process of anxiety, it's being able to externalize it, get on offense, knowing Kate, sneaky poo is going to show up or pop. Um, pesky peeing Paula, whatever it was that I was saying is going to show up. What are they going to say? What are they going to want me to do? How am I going to boss it back? How am I going to do the opposite? How am I going to manage? This is the most important piece. How am I going to manage that, that uncertainty of how it's going to play out? If someone's going to hear it or smell it, how am I going to manage the feelings of embarrassment? That's what they need to be working on. And so again, just making sure they've got lots of opportunities in lots of different contexts with different people at different times of day, the more 
practice that you do and the more practice that they get, it's going to be easier and they're going to manage this. So thank you for joining me today. Go and help those kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,